This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This is Fresh Air. I'm Dave Davies. Our guest, actor Timothy Oliphant, has performed in dozens of roles in film, television, and theater. He's best known for playing two iconic lawmen, Sheriff Seth Bullock in the HBO series Deadwood and a subsequent film, and Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in the FX series Justified, which earned Oliphant a Primetime Emmy nomination. Among his many other roles, he starred with Drew Barrymore as the husband of a realtor-slash-man-eating zombie in the Netflix comedy series Santa Clarita Diet. Trust me, it is funny. And he played the tour manager of a rock band in the Amazon Prime series Daisy Jones and the Six. In Justified, Oliphant's character, Deputy Marshal Raylan Givens, was reassigned to his native eastern Kentucky, where he chased a bunch of colorful criminals for six seasons, some of whom he'd known since childhood. That series ended in 2015, but it has been revived in the new FX series Justified City Primeval, which, like the original, is based on the writings of Elmore Leonard. In the new series, Givens, now in late middle age, finds himself in Detroit, dueling with a sociopathic criminal in a distinctly urban setting with his 15-year-old daughter in the picture. I should note that our interview was recorded before the actor's strike began. Timothy Oliphant, welcome back to Fresh Air. Good to have you. Thank you, Dave. It's good to be here. I feel like I got a little taste of what an obituary might sound like for me when you first started. I was like, is is this what it's going to be like? Well, you'll never know, I think. It will hopefully be longer and richer. That's what they say. (laughs) The other thing I heard there, which is the the self-involved neurotic actor, I was like, did he just say late middle age? I was like, why? What's with the adjective "late middle age"? Yeah, if you're fifty, like, isn't middle right. age enough? Yeah, well, the character's in his fifties, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, that's right. The character is. Right. I don't know how they. I'm. In, I'm still thirty-five, but they aged me up for the role, that so is, it's all right, good. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're hanging in there in your thirties. Um, <laughs> I have to tell you, Justified, I mean, the original series, which ran six seasons, is one of my favorite TV experiences ever. I look forward to watching all of those seasons again. Um, you know, you chasing all these colorful, complex criminals in the hollers of Harlan County. Was that a really special experience to you, too? Well, first, thank you. I I appreciate you saying so. I We had a ball making the show. You know, it's just one of those jobs. It was rarely a day you left the set where you didn't think, well, that was cool. You know, it was just always cool. Now, I see that you are an executive producer in the revival of the series, which is set in Detroit. Um, I know that you had a a part in Quentin Tarantino's movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I read that a conversation with him in somehow moved this idea forward or or planted the seed. Put some wind in our sails. Uh, Certainly put some wind in our sails. You know, we, the writers and I, we've always been in touch since we wrapped the show, the original show, and we've always talked about, what do you think? You know, is the time right? You know, do we want to take another swing at this thing? And if so... Who's got an idea? <laughs> that was, like, you know, um, and everyone's busy. Everyone, you know, the the thing going against it. It's like any kind of reunion, uh, you know, in life. You know, it's just everyone's life is getting in the way. So, getting us all together and coming up with the the seed of an idea was probably really the trickiest part. 
and I, I had an idea that maybe we could just go back to Elmore, you know, grab one of He doesn't, we've already used all the railing material, but maybe there's some other material there that, you know, might lend itself to the conversation, you know. And City Primeval was, it felt like a bit of a layup. It was so close to our kind of narrative and I thought, you know, maybe we could strip this for parts or use the bones of it, and it would start the conversation. And I ran it by Quentin on the set of um, Once Upon a Time, and he liked the idea. I mean, he's a huge Elmore Leonard fan. He was a huge fan of that book. He considered making that movie at one point in his career. So not only did he like the idea, he had ideas, you know. <laughs> so he was am- it was fantastic. So that just sent me back to everybody with a, a great deal of enthusiasm, which is, you know, we're going to do this. Well, let's listen to a clip from the new series. You are in Detroit in this series, kind of by chance, and you end up getting assigned to assist the Detroit police on a case involving the attempted murder of a judge. And this is a scene where you and some really gung-ho Detroit cops have identified a suspect, have stormed into his house, and he has fled to the basement and slammed the door, and his mom is standing by. And the Detroit cops are inclined to kick the door down and, and end this by force. And, and as we'll hear in the end of the scene, they kind of do that. But first, we hear you as Deputy uh, Marshal Raylan Givens just try to try to talk to the suspect who's behind the door. Let's listen. Hey, stay back! I'm not messing around! Don't, Barry, what are you I, doing? I, I, just, I just need to figure it out. Hey, Barry! You're not coming down here. No one's coming down there. All right, listen to me. You don't know me. I'm Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, and I can assure you no one's coming through this door. Yeah, you're damn right they're not. Don't need to talk tough. I'm just trying to help. Jesus himself couldn't help him. My son's going to hell in a handbasket. Shut up, Mom! What does that even mean? It means you need to calm your ass down. Just talk to me, Barry. Come on, face to face. Give me one good reason I should do anything you say. Because up until now, no one has been hurt except a Cadillac CT6. But some of the agents and officers up here, Barry, especially the ones by the toaster oven, are a little hungry and a lot irritable. So if I was you and I was sincerely interested in saving my ass, I'd open the door, talk this out, and end it while I'm still breathing. Come on, Barry, what do you say? Head to the SUV out front instead of the afterlife? Okay. Okay, stand down. I'm gonna need a few things if you expect me to do- What the hell is wrong with you people? Oh my God, you broke my nose! I'm sure that was entirely necessary, but okay. Hey, that's how we do things in Detroit. And that is our guest, Timothy Oliphant, in the new series, Justified City Primeval. Yeah, huh. Not sure that was entirely necessary. Uh, Marshall Raylan Givens always keeping his cool. Um, in this series, you're, you're dealing with a criminal, uh, Clement Manziel, played by Boyd Holbrook, who is uh, – he's a truly malevolent character. Uh, but his lawyer uh, is a woman that you end up dealing with in some interesting ways and that probably complicates you know, Raylan Givens' life and the story. 
you know, Raylan has a way of making things a little more difficult for himself. Um, and then probably because that unconscious mind, he kind of wants to deal with those issues more than he wants to deal with others. I will say that lawyer is played by the incredible Ingenue Ellis, and uh, getting her on board was just a huge win for us, for the story, and for the audience, and just a wonderful performance. And Boyd, same thing. Uh, the cast really just was incredible. I missed so many of the original cast. It was, it was um, really missed them. Um, on the other hand, we got, we got really lucky with, with everybody that got involved in this one. And actors came in, and these new characters came in, and it was nothing like our show. Um, no one we'd ever seen before, and yet every day we left the set, and you're like, it feels like our show. You know, it feels like our show. We're in a different world. We got all these different characters. And yet, I mean, driving around with Victor Williams, he plays one of the detectives, and the banter between us, um, I just thought, oh, this just feels like... Did, are we sure we didn't shoot this in the previous uh, series? Because it, it it feels like home, you know? Right, right. Now, it, now, was, it was cool. Now, the Raylan in this series, as you mentioned, has a complication, which is that his 15-year-old daughter happens to be with him. Uh, he didn't plan it. He ended up in Detroit kind of by chance. And she is with him, and she is a curious and willful child, played by your own daughter, Vivian, right? How did this come yeah. about? Yeah, <laughs> how did that work out? It really was the best thing about the gig for me personally was working with my daughter. It was just a joy. Um, I didn't see it coming, us working together, and, and this is how it went. I knew acting was in the picture. She had always wanted to act. You know, when she was, when our kids were little, she's the youngest of three, and we used to take family videos. She was the only one who asked to see playback. So we kind of saw this coming. Um, and... She was in college. She's a singer-songwriter. She was at the Berkeley College of Music, and we were shooting this over the summer. We were talking about what her plans were going to be for the summer, and my wife said, isn't there a part in your show for your daughter? <laughs> and I said, isn't she supposed to be you know, around Vivian's age? And I said, what do you think? She said, you know, bring it up to her, and if she wants to audition, give her, give her let her have a swing at it. So the rest is history. Um she did great. Yeah. yeah it, it didn't create cool. any discomfort on the set for you. And there's one case where she is is visibly menaced by this, you know, this sociopathic dude who the, who is the your arch enemy here. And that's that's pretty emotional. Was was any of that difficult for you or her or the crew because you had this relationship? Dave, I'm not going to lie. There was so much going on. I think it was by and large just a wonderful experience, not only for us but for the crew. I think it it was a lovely atmosphere. And having young people on the set, in this case, my daughter, who's never really done this, everything was a thrill. I mean, she she would be like, Dad, I'm, I'm getting picked up in a van tomorrow with the other actors. And I'd be like, yes, yeah, so what? And she's like, no, it's so exciting. <laughs> everything, was so, everything was so exciting, you know? Call sheet was exciting. Um, fittings were exciting. Uh, EPK, you know, the electric press kit interviews. She couldn't wait. I'm like, I was like, I felt bad. I'm always trying to get out of those. So that was really refreshing. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I was really proud of her. She worked uh, really hard. It was fun to watch how hard she worked and how fun she was having doing the work. 
And then there was the loaded part, which is, you know, I'm executive producer. I've, uh, I have a lot invested in this thing. I'm guilty of giving actors notes. There is one actor on the set who will actually say to my face, she doesn't want to hear it. <laughs> it makes me think maybe the other actors want to say that. Uh, you know, your, your kid will tell you uh, what other people won't. You know, um, really, she, she really, <laughs> she, she didn't yeah. like the direction she was getting. Huh. No, there's just time. She's my daughter. She's like, Dad, no, stop it. And I'm like, Wait, you can't tell me that. I'm the, I'm the star of the show. Uh, you know, it's it's really a wild experience, and uh, as fun as acting is, and and you know, at this point in my life, it's kind of fun and games for me. There's a great deal of pressure on a set. Clock's ticking. You need to get this. We, we need to get this moment. And seeing your teenage kid in that situation, you know, you feel as a parent, you just want to kind of, you know, there's this instinct to step in and, and try to help. And manage um, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To manage it. Okay. So, and at the same time, you're like, but we do need this take. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, step up, girl. Let's go. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. It was very special. It was it was really a special experience. And um yeah, I hope I get another opportunity. I think a lot of people really became aware of you with Deadwood, which was 2004, which is really kind of an amazing piece of television, critically acclaimed and, and well-remembered, you know. And this was, I guess you were in your mid-30s, and it's, you know, I went back and watched some episodes recently. You know, you were the first name that appears on the screen. It's right there, Timothy Oliphant, and a lot of great actors in that. Um and it was a really unique set, right? I mean, um, David Milch did this, and he actually built this mining camp. It's kind of a town, but he called it a camp. And he would change things in the middle of, of the day, right, or in the middle of the week, and then give you lines for the next day. I mean, was this was this a difficult, stressful acting experience? Yeah, everything involved. It was one of the most incredible acting experiences and still one of the most memorable sets I've ever been a part of and working with David Milch is like a gift that just keeps on giving. He was uh, a force of nature. He was um, he was brilliant. He was madness. For me, it was definitely pressure-filled early on. And I was surrounded by incredible talent, most of them probably around my age now. And they were just a marvel to watch. It was an incredible set. Yeah, and and you're getting you know pages that you have to learn for the next day, and the language is not typical. Right? Dave, lot... we were getting pages that we had to learn by lunch. Um, okay, we you know like go well you know we can shoot this other scene while you learn that. No, we we he was writing everything. It was it was an unbelievable to watch him go. Yeah, and the dialogue was in this archaic sort of Victorian language, which you know I would assume would not be so easy to memorize. Oh, no, easy to memorize. You know, when you, you know, like when the writing's good, easier to learn. When the writing's bad, that's when it's really tough. When the writing's bad, yeah, because you, you know, you're like, what do I say again? Because you're like, it just doesn't connect to anything. Um, this one was, it was a mouthful and, you know, it was in that regard, but whenever he handed you a page, it was so vivid and so delicious, challenging to just because there was a lot of work, but it was not difficult to... I mean, they stick in your brain. I can remember scenes, you know, from that show like it was yesterday. They're so vivid. 
I've read that, you know, you felt like you were just sort of barely keeping your head above water on these shoots. Um, there were there's so many veteran actors around who were at the top of their game. I don't know. Anything you learned from them that you can put into words? I remember going to the rap party after the first season, and I realized I, I wasn't in the gag reel very much. And I thought, that's a problem. You know, I, I, they're having, everyone's having more fun. <laughs> I I need to have more fun with this gig, and I, I do. That was a big, that was a big revelation for me. Um, you know, I remember watching like Ian McShane and Brian Cox. And weird, the it would be in intense scenes, but the two of them, as soon as cut was called, giggles. You know, um, and I thought they seem to be carrying a little less weight on their shoulders than I am. You know, there's this trick. I've been more or less making a living kind of playing character roles. And um, there's often a bit of a pitfall when you play a lead role that you feel like the burden of the responsibility of being the lead. And you can watch it with a lot of people's careers going from character roles to leads and, and whether their performances hold up. That You can see they're oftentimes more comfortable in the character role where they get to kind of chew the scenery and then they bottle up a little bit when they become the lead and um you know when you talk about like doing justified i don't think i think of it as a lead you know in that respect that's kind of what makes it really fun i just think i'm playing you know you can play those scenes as if you're the you're playing a supporting part you know you're playing a kind of a character role sometimes you can play some of those scenes like you're the bad guy you know and have fun with it. <laughs> it's just way more fun. And yeah. then you just trust that the writing takes care of it. And so I think the first, the beginning of, of Deadwood, I, that's what I felt. And then David's a lot. You know, David was a lot to, um, I mean, the set was a lot. It was overwhelming. And the pages the day before and just trying to figure out your place, you know. And also, it's the beginning of me trying to figure out how to be a squeaky wheel without being a problem. A squeaky wheel on the set. You mean kind of just wanting to tweak a direction or a The line fact or... is most of these things, especially when they're, especially in television, but in all of them, it's hard to navigate how to advocate for yourself and trust that you're not going to be difficult, you know, um, that you're going to actually be helpful. Uh, and I think that was still even at that point in my life uh, – stressful for me and I think when that but when that show ended and I started getting my hands on bad material and I was like okay well you know I've seen how it's done right you know I've seen Milch I've seen what it can be done I've seen these kind of things and so it was a like when I say it was a gift that kept giving that's what I mean I was able to go to sets and say no we could just rewrite this and they're like it shoots in three days I was like who gives a crap? We, I, I did this. We could shoot this. We rewrite it and shoot it at lunch on uh, Deadwood. <laughs> you know what I mean? This can, we, this, this can get better. A we world can, of possibilities. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a world of possibilities. The secret is is that a lot of times, the more I started, started to advocate for, for myself, you know, when you get your hands on parts that are pretty good but could be better, but when you start taking more responsibility and having more fun with it, I found just the opposite happened than what I was concerned about. Um, I just had way more fun at work. I had way better relationships with the directors and the writers. But it all started, the conversation all started on the Deadwood set. 
You, you know, it, since I, yeah, I'd read that you kind of felt like maybe you were struggling a little bit in that role, with the responsibility of that role, I went back and watched the first three episodes, which you're very prominent. Turns out I was great, right? What the hell am I talking about? Pretty darn good. I mean, I just say, I mean, I, you did not seem over your head. There was an intensity to it. You know, like this guy yeah. runs hot. You could see that. I could see you. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense. I mean, part of the job is you're just constantly, I, I'm i constantly trying to figure out how to make it simple and how to make it easy. And when it feels simple and easy, when all the work goes away, that's just a really great place to work from. And it's hard not to look at early work and and not see the work. Let me reintroduce you. We're going to take another break here. We're speaking with Timothy Oliphant. He plays Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in the new FX series Justified City Primeval. It airs Tuesdays on FX. We recorded our interview before the actor strike began. We'll hear more after a break. I'm Dave Davies, and this is Fresh Air. This message comes from NPR sponsor Stearns & Foster. To Stearns & Foster, your comfort is their everything. So they've made a mattress that's irresistible inside and out. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted. Every stitch, every layer uses the finest materials like indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for the coziness you want with the support you need. Timeless quality for your most comfortable sleep. Stearns & Foster, what comfort should be. More at stearnsandfoster.com. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom-scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This is Fresh Air. I'm Dave Davies. We're speaking with actor Timothy Oliphant, known for playing the iconic role of Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in the TV series Justified for six seasons. He now stars in a revival of that show, with Givens investigating a sociopathic killer in Detroit. It's called Justified City Primeval, and it premieres tonight on FX and will then air on Tuesday nights. When we left off, we were talking about another iconic role he played, Sheriff Seth Bullock on the HBO series Deadwood. I should note we recorded our interview before the actor strike. You know, in 2019, you kind of had a, a reunion because you returned to the character for the movie Deadwood, um, and it was also written by David Milch. And quite a story. I mean, there's intrigue and gunplay and score settling and romances renewed and all of this. I'm going to list, was going to play a clip from the film. There was a beloved man in town, Charlie Utter, who has been shot to death. And it was a murder for hire engineered by this predatory businessman, Hearst, who wanted his land. And in the scene, we're going to hear you as Sheriff Bullock are talking to Al Swearingen, the brothel owner who's a morally ambiguous character, but who was at times in alliance with Bullock. And they're discussing what to do about this, what about this murder. It begins with Swearingen, who's played by Ian McShane, questioning your decision moments before to publicly confront the man behind the murder in the street. So Swearingen speaks first. Let's listen. You ever think Bullock of not going straight at a thing? No. What's the move, Al? Wish the f- I knew. Killing Charlie Utter changes the game. Say the man has an eyewitness to bring to bear. Name him. Samuel Fields. 
was an eyewitness to what? Eyewitness to them, as did for Charlie Utter. And thereby need a good murdering. Sad step in legal administration. Well, if it ain't for Hearst to follow the law, why the f should it be for you? Now, how should I construe that look on your mug, Bullock? My job ain't to follow the law, Al. My job is to interpret it, then enforce it accordingly. And that is our guest, Timothy Oliphant, in the movie, Deadwood. What comes to mind when you hear that? Well, I'll tell you two things, Put a, a bunch of things put a smile on my face. Um, first of all, Ian McShane, what a force. I mean, just... You know, it's the best thing that happened in my career was, you know, being in a position to watch him work up close. Um, something special. Uh, and, um, you know, I miss him. The, you know, that movie, all the cast, everybody involved, when we all reassembled. And, you know, I, I admittedly was dragging my feet. But when I got there, it was just very emotional and quite sweet. You know, it was only three years of my life, that show, but boy, it made quite an impression and it was just great to see everybody and just an incredible, incredible group. It's a very special experience. Then, um, you know, it sounded pretty good. I think I did all right. Uh, I think um, the other thing that that is in that scene, which I want to give credit to, which is Charlie Almanza, the retired chief deputy, U.S. Marshal Charlie Almanza, who was our technical advisor on Justified, and I leaned on him all the time. That scene, when I first got it, there was this statement there about following the law. And this time around, I, I because I'd now known Charlie, I called him and I said, you know, I picked, I, he was available to me to pick his brain about things. And um, he said to me, uh, no, you, your job is not to follow the law. I said, what are you talking about? He said, your job is to interpret the law <laughs> how you see fit, given a situation. That's what we do. And uh, I I've, I've picked up, I mean, next day I was in front of David and saying, uh, hear me out. Yeah. And that's where that came from. That was a back and forth between David and I and then with Charlie and then back to, to David and I. And that's that last line, Charlie Omanza uh he more or less wrote that. Yeah, especially in Marshall in, what, 1879 or whatever it was. That's exactly <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, it was really great. And, you know, that's that collaboration, it give, it puts a smile on my face. When I had forgotten that and when I heard that line, I was like, that was Charlie, you know. That was uh, – and, and that also was kind of reverting back to what we were talking about before. When I first showed up for that job – I was trying to do my best and say the lines that were in front of me. And when we came back around to do the movie, I think I was just in a different place to to be open to, I'm going to call an actual U.S. Marshal and just talk to him and, and see what comes up. And these gems happen when you kind of invest in that way. And like, it, it's that thing where you're like, it was a gift. It was not something that wasn't appreciated by David. It was something that was welcomed and everybody wins. It was, it, that collaboration is, it puts a smile on my face. Yeah. You'd mentioned that the scenes that you would get from Milch for Deadwood, some of you, you still remember them. Um, is there a scene from Deadwood where you, you literally remember the dialogue? You might want to well, share with us. Well, I remember so many lines. 
and I can quote the, uh, a bunch of them that just start popping to mind, but you're going to have to bleep almost every one of them. That's the I mean, trick I, with that show. Yeah, okay, well... Yeah, well, I mean, but you... By the way, I noticed you're like, Tim, try not to swear, and then every clip I'm in has swearing. <laughs> uh, what's the deal? You're holding me back. Yeah. <laughs> I remember... Uh, I'll say I, I'll love this is one I'm not even in I remember the F the future and uh, is it uh, Tobolowski says you do not F the future sir the future S you and I was like wow that's pretty good I remember some of my own I, I remember days I remember doing that scene with um, Garrett Dillahunt where I call him a slant-eyed MF, and, he's, and he says, I was born this way, and then I, I say, uh, who do you blame for the rest of the effing mess? <laughs> I mean, it's just beautiful stuff. And more importantly, I remember Milch's quote-unquote direction. You know, he didn't direct a single episode, but we did not shoot a scene without him approving what we were about to shoot because his penchant for coming in and we'd be already well into coverage and then he would start rewriting the scene and we'd have to go back and start from the beginning. So we would always make sure we had him there before we started uh, rolling because he would invariably rewrite it before we started shooting. And in his rewriting, he was essentially directing and so I have countless examples of incredible direction that he gave that has stuck with me forever. Can you conjure one? D d telling Garrett Dillahunt when I was beating the shit out of him and he was like acting as if he just wanted to get out of there. He told Garrett a story. Now, who knows if it was true or not? But he's like, let me, let me tell you a story, Garrett. Um, there was a time I was in an alleyway and three guys are coming my way and I said to myself these guys have no idea what they're coming up upon you know and he goes and now they're kicking me and they're kind of roughing me up and I'm thinking to myself any minute now I'm going to spring on them and then he goes now they've they've taken my wallet and my shoes and they're walking away and I'm thinking here I come I'm about to surprise them <laughs> and he's like Garrett that's the scene you know, the whole time I'm beating him up, he's telling Garrett, he's about to turn the tables on this guy. <laughs> and these stories were so vivid. And I don't even know, quite frankly, thinking about it, if it was actually usable direction. But it was incredible storytelling. And it was incredible insight into his life and a way to think about drama. I just go on and on. I remember doing the scene where we're having a town meeting. We're going to talking about how we're going to start a government. And um, we started setting up the scene. Everybody's sitting at the table. And then I, Bullock and uh, Hawks, you know, John Hawks, is, uh, we show up and sit down and the meeting starts. And Milch comes in and says, no, 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 no. That's, that's not how these things worked. Nobody knows what they're doing. You know, nobody knows what to do. So... Um, everybody, he goes, remember at junior high at the, you go to the dance and, uh, you're standing against the wall. You get your hand up against the wall because if, you know, if you take your hand off the wall, this, this thing might fall over, you know, this building might fall down. So you better be over here just making sure things stay upright. Um, he would start directing everyone to do that. 
And then Bullock comes in and he's been in government, so he's going to take a seat. And then everyone's like, oh, OK, we're going to sit down. OK. And then and then he told he said everyone should be staring at everybody and trying to look at their the person next to them and their body posture to figure out how they should sit at the table because no one knows how to sit at the table. You don't know how to start a government. You don't know how to sit at a game. Should we be serving peaches? Maybe we should have peaches. You know, it, it was all just watching him take over and giving us this insight into not just performances but into history and how humans work. Since we've talked so much about David Mills, I guess we should know. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's a few years yeah. ago, right? Do you yeah. be in touch with him at all? Do you know what his condition is? Uh, I haven't talked to him in a bit. I've I've seen some of his family, and I know uh, some of the cast members have been in there. And um, I can just tell you I'm thinking of him. Um, it's been a bit since I've uh, spoken to him. But... Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to him and his family because I saw his son just uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, that's just an, as you know, it's just an ugly disease, just a very heartbreaking disease. Let me reintroduce you. We're going to take another break here. We are speaking with actor Timothy Oliphant. He plays Deputy Marshal Raylan Givens in the series Justified City Primeval. It appears on FX Tuesday nights. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. This is Fresh Air. This message comes from NPR sponsor Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and gives personalized recommendations based on the homes that you like so you can find the home that's just right for you. You can favorite homes, share listings with others, and even schedule tours with a local Redfin agent all in the app. When you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, and they know how to help you win the right home at the right price. So download the Redfin app to get started today. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. This message is brought to you by Wondery. In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura protects residents from global catastrophes, but a dark secret threatens Pura's very existence. Binge all episodes of The Last City ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. This is Fresh Air, and we're speaking with actor Timothy Oliphant. He stars in the FX series Justified City Primeval, which airs Tuesday nights on FX. Uh, I will note that we recorded our interview before the actor's strike began. It is fun to hear you be funny after these intense roles where you play lawman. Um, and I, I thought we'd listen to a clip from an appearance you made on Curb Your Enthusiasm, the Larry David vehicle. Um, this episode is where Larry and some of the regulars in the show are flying to Cabo for a destination wedding. Your character, Mickey, is the groom, and everybody's staying in a really nice resort. And in this scene, Larry 
David shows up at your room kind of a little late at night, and he has spent the day noticing that everyone seems to have gotten a nicer room than he did. But he's coming to you because due to some classic Larry plot twist, he had to come without his luggage, and so he doesn't have a toothbrush. And so he's knocking on your door to see if you can help. Let's listen. Okay, boss alert. Oh my God. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Yeah, not bad, huh? Not, this is unbelievable. How's your room? It stinks. No. Yes. It was supposed to be great. It's not great. I said to you guys, the rooms are great. You're going to love them. Yeah, I know. I oh. know, but my room's not great at all. Everybody's got a better room. I'm going to talk to somebody. So what, you just think this is some kind of uh, accident that I have a, a bad room? Oh, come on, Larry. Come on. Make it like that. What's, what's going on? Oh, hey, hey, Sasha. Congratulations. It's late. She's not wrong. Yeah, it's, it's a, it is late. Um, do you happen to have an extra toothbrush by any chance? We do have an extra toothbrush. You have an extra toothbrush. Fantastic. I can't believe it. That's so great. I'm sorry. I misspoke. It's for us. What do you mean? I have an emergency. It's an emergency. I don't have a toothbrush. But that's your emergency. This is for in case we have an emergency. You're not going to have an emergency. What makes me think you're going to have a toothbrush emergency? Look no. at you. You're having an emergency right Mine's now. Mine's a fluke. You have, it's a fluke this emergency. This whole thing makes me nervous, Larry. It's a fluke emergency. Your toothbrush emergency. emergency, it's one in a million. You're probably right. I won't have a toothbrush emergency. And you know why I know that? Because I have a <laughs> extra toothbrush. Our guest, Timothy Oliphant, on Curb Your Enthusiasm. T- t- yeah. Tell us a little about the experience. I mean, is, is, is it ad-libbed? Is it all lines? What's the experience working on a scene like that? So there's an outline. Going? It's the best. There's an outline. You show up on that particular day. You, you show up. We're in at this ho- beautiful hotel and down at the, by the, on the beach. And uh, we have a little sh- quick huddle. Jeff Schaefer um, co-runs the show with Larry is, was directing. And we, we huddled up. And he says, okay, they read what the scene is. Larry shows up. He's upset because everybody's room is better than his room. And then he need, and he, you say, why are you here? And he says he needs a toothbrush. You tell him you have one, but he can't have it. All right, let's go. And then you start shooting. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's literally it. You. The next thing that happens is they pick up the cameras, and they've already marked it, and you just start shooting. And it's... Uh, couldn't be more fun. Did you do several takes? You know, Jeff will say, look, this first take might be seven, eight minutes long. Don't worry. And it might not be funny at all. Don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll, you'll kind of, we'll just do it again and just narrow it down and, you know, we'll just find it. And then usually every take, you just find a little something, a little gem that they like, you know, little accidents happen. You know, I like, you know, we like when you say, isn't it great? Your room's not great. The more you can say the word great, we like that, you know? So there's a lot of, isn't this great? That's great. Yours isn't great. No, they said they'd be great. And (laughs) just it's kind of the tone of the show, you know? Somewhere, as I recall, somebody mentioned toothbrush emergency as if that was a thing. <laughs> and then, you know, oh, we like that. You know, lean into the toothbrush emergency. Try to – and you just kind of discover it as you go. You shoot way more than you end up using, but it goes quick. And Larry's a very generous laugher. So it was, it was a very – and I am too. So we spent a lot of time uh, with la- two people laughing totally unusable. And, That's uh, what I was going to ask if you broke up a lot. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm terrible. I'm the worst. 
I laugh at my own jokes. And, you know, it's not proper behavior. Um, you know, when you earlier when we were talking, you were talking about, you know, studying the craft of acting, and and I think you said something about kind of the the drama and comedy are kind of the same thing. They're somehow connected. I I was just thinking because you know the the role in Deadwood is so serious uh, most of the time. It's all a comedy, though. I mean, I know it's there's no difference. You know, uh, justified. I think of it as a comedy. I, I, if I'm engaged with the writers in the back and forth, as far as I'm concerned, we're writing jokes. We're writing, you know, the nature of drama is two guys walk into a bar, right? And then there's a rug pool. That's that's what Elmore is. That's what our show was. You're just looking for the rug pool. You're looking for taking it a direction you didn't see coming. You're looking for what is both totally unexpected but yet inevitable. And that's the nature of a joke. So, you know, even in Deadwood, as we went along and, uh, you know, the, my shoulders started to drop below my ears, you know, I, you're, I'm always you're looking for—there's comedy there. David's writing's really funny. I mean, it's just tone after that. It's just finding a tone. That's what shifts. Anyway, that's what I'm selling. I don't know if you're buying it. That's my, my that's <laughs> well, my. I'm sticking to that. There's no difference between drama and comedy. It's all the same thing. Let me reintroduce you. We are speaking with Timothy Oliphant. He plays Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in a revival of the series Justified. It's titled Justified City Primeval. We'll talk more after this break. This is Fresh Air. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer, no text messages to respond to, just your suitcase and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit Podcast from NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. This is Fresh Air, and we're speaking with actor Timothy Oliphant. He plays Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens in the revival of the series Justified. It's titled Justified City Primeval. We recorded our interview before the actor strike began. I want to talk about one more role of yours, and this was as a road manager for a rock band in the series Daisy Jones and the Six. It's on Amazon Prime. It's about a band that hits it big and then breaks up due to drama among its members. And you're a veteran road manager. Um, and this is the scene where you're describing your job on, on tour with this rock band. And we're going to hear you talking to a mechanic because the band's bus has broken down and you need him to get the part right away. And he says he can't. And you essentially bribe him with concert tickets for his kids. But the scene begins with you describing the job of a road manager on a rock tour to an interviewer. Let's listen. 
Let me tell you what it's like to manage a rock band. We're driving all over, hell and creation. City to city, roadies and crew the whole nine. And not one person, not one, ever asks how we're always stocked up on gas or beer or the special tea days he likes that you can only get shipped in from Thailand. No one says thank you. No one notices a damn thing until something goes wrong. I know. You said you won't have that part till the morning. But let me ask you something. You like rock and roll? Can't say I do, partner. I bet your kids love it. And you get me that crankshaft in the next half an hour. You could be father of the year. And he hands him two tickets to the big concert. That's our guest, Timothy Oliphant, as the manager of a rock band in the series Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, you know, you're, you're wearing kind of a Mick Jagger haircut, I guess I'd say, shades and a heavy mustache. Uh, you know what? Nice observation, because I think I showed up with a picture of Mick Jagger, and I said, this is what we're looking for right <laughs> here. We want this. This is what we're going for. Yeah. And the glasses. I said, listen, I would like to wear glasses in every scene, and if you don't want them on my eyes, I just want them in my hair. I just want them propped up on the top of my head. And I said, if you agree to that, I'm in. Sometimes with some of these jobs, you know, you let the hair and the and the wardrobe do all the work, you know? It just <laughs> takes care of it for you. It just takes care of everything for you. You just act accordingly. You know, it's like putting on the Batman outfit. You're like, okay, there you go. You don't have to you don't have to do much. Well well the other thing about this is that it's it's in set in the seventies and everybody is smoking all the time. Uh I mean I think yeah. in that scene you're actually taking a puff while you're offering the guy the concert tickets. I was just wondering on the seat, is it, did people choke up with all that smoke in the air? <laughs> it was a lot. And I'm guilty of, this is my acting tip for the young actors out there. If you can eat during a scene, be chewing something or smoking, it makes you seem like you're a way better actor than you are because it just grounds everything, gives you something to do. So I was, I would not, every time we were about to roll, I'd, Tell the prop guy, cigarette, give me a cigarette. I'm going to work this cigarette as much as I work. I, every scene, I'm, I don't know if you can find a scene in that show where I don't have a cigarette. You know, But that's not because I thought the character smoked all the time. I was like, oh, this is just me more, more better for my acting. You know, you've, you've achieved some real stature in your career by now. I wonder how often you're recognized in public and whether you ever wear a cowboy hat in public. Uh, I'm not adverse to wearing hats. I, I, I throw a hat on quite often. Um, not often a cowboy hat. Uh, you know, it depends. When in Rome, but uh, generally there's a hat on my head. How much am I recognized? You know, I don't know. I don't know what's normal. I, You know, my life is uh, relatively boring where I just go to the same places all the time. And so I don't think anyone thinks of me as a... Uh, as a celebrity, you know, if I'm at an airport or if I got lost and found myself in a mall, I guess it, you know, changes the the narrative. But I've been really lucky. You're able you know, to live I, your life. I'm, get, yeah. I'm getting away with it. I've gotten away with it for a long time. And I think also, and it's a testament to the roles I've been allowed to play, which I'm I'm convinced that if you play like a character that seems kind of cool, then people try to be cool around you. So I get 
what is the best thing you can get in show business, I often get someone who comes by and just says, hey, man, like your work, and then keeps walking. And I always, if I'm, my wife is next to me, I'm, I say, honey, that's as good as it gets. It didn't didn't ask me for an ounce of time or anything. Just wanted to pass that along, and that, that just means the world. I just want you to know that's the coolest thing you can do. Well, Timothy Oliphant, thanks so much for speaking with us. It was a pleasure, Dave. Thanks for having me. Timothy Oliphant, star of the new FX series Justified City Primeval, premiering tonight and airing Tuesday nights on FX. On tomorrow's show, we'll speak with writer Alden Wicker about hidden dangers in synthetic fabrics often used in low-priced clothes known as fast fashion. Her new book is To Die For, How Toxic Fashion is Making Us Sick and How We Can Fight Back. I hope you can join us. Fresh Air's executive producer is Danny Miller. Our technical director and engineer is Audrey Bentham, with additional engineering support from Tina Calake. Our interviews and reviews are produced and edited by Amy Sallett, Phyllis Myers, Sam Brigger, Lauren Krenzel, Heidi Saman, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Teresa Madden, Thea Challoner, Seth Kelly, and Susan Yakundi. Our digital media producer is Molly C.V. Nesper. Roberta Shorrock directs the show. For Terry Gross and Tanya Mosley, I'm Dave Davies. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Your business faces specific challenges and unique opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, custom-tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the expertise, strategy, and resources of a top-10 commercial bank, a dedicated team works with you to support your success and help achieve your goals. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. These days, news comes at you fast. But the truth? Getting there takes time. There's something that hasn't been disclosed yet. Embedded is a podcast that takes the time to look beyond the headlines. How how did this happen? How did we get here? With original documentary storytelling. Listen to NPR's Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.